Welcome once again this evening to our Bible study slot. And uh, still with the restrictions in place, we are uh, presenting this Bible study on YouTube and uh, busy with Romans, the book of Romans and those last chapters uh, following on from Romans chapter 12. And very specifically doing so because so much practical Christianity and uh, even in preparation for tonight, I thought to myself, so helpful, uh, so wise, and, and may God's word uh, help us just in our daily living uh, to become more and more conformed to the likeness of Jesus. So uh, let's pray together, and then I'm going to read from Romans chapter 15. Lord, we do come before you, thanking you for your, your ongoing patience with us. And Lord, as your word comes week by week, instructing us, uh, correcting us, rebuking us, and training us in righteousness, it is, Lord, a clear indication that we are people who need to change, that there are constantly areas that uh, need to be conformed to your likeness and transformed from being worldly. And, and Lord, so often things are just so... Uh, plain and, and simple, written in your words, but so difficult for us to do. And so as we come to this study tonight in the context of relationships, I do pray that you would give us much uh, courage and strength and, and Lord, willingness of heart to not only uh, accept the word, to receive the word, but also, Lord, to live it out in our daily context of life. And so do you uh, undertake for us this evening, those who participate now, those who join in at a later stage and listen to the video. Uh, Lord, we do ask for your Holy Spirit to lead and to guide and to teach us, to convict us and bring us, Lord, closer to yourself, we pray. And asking in Jesus' name, Amen. So Romans chapter 15, and it's quite a long passage. And, and so do follow with me, take up your Bible. And I'm going to read from the very first verse. Paul writing, he says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised, to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him, the Gentiles will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Well, we do live in community, normally speaking, when there aren't all these COVID restrictions in place. And we find ourselves engaging with all sorts of people with different opinions, uh, different ways of doing things. And so when we go beyond the superficial in our relationships, we discover that there are times and instances where we are going to be irritated uh, by each other. Or even as I used as a title in this study tonight, uh, when people get under your skin, it happens among us in the church and not just our church, but all churches. There are these occasions when we disappoint each other. You may not do what I expect you to do, or, or I do not do what you anticipate and expect me to do. And so there's disappointment. At other times, we may get annoyed with each other, doing certain things, having particular quirks. Sometimes it's just frustration with each other. Uh, at other times, impatient. And sadly, even times where we can be critical of each other. Well, our experience tells us, and the scriptures confirm that tonight, the need that is brought before us is that it's not always plain sailing when it comes to relationships. There are some scratchy times, some difficult times, uh, some uphill battles that we have to deal with as we relate with each other in the context and particularly speaking in the context of the local church and the community of faith. Like the Jews back in Rome and the Gentiles who had come alongside of them in the church, there were people with different opinions, different preferences, and we're no different. And, and, and the problem becomes particularly difficult when those issues are not clearly addressed in the Bible. When it's black and white, and we understand that the Bible tells us that we should not murder, or we should not commit adultery. Well, we know that. We don't need to argue about that. But what do we do uh, when clarity is not uh, given on these particular topics and where controversy so easily can rage. And going back again to the issues in Rome, there was controversy in the church. They were getting in each other's hair, under each other's skin with regard to the eating of meals, eating of meat that had been sacrificed to idols or uh, not drinking wine or drinking wine and, and keeping certain holy days or not keeping certain holy days. Now that, that was then. They had their issues. They had their preferences. They had their opinions. Now, what about us? And I would love to have asked tonight if we were in a group together and we could respond. What kind of things get under your skin? What is it that people do that really annoy you and, and you, you really want to uh, walk away and, and, and not have any engagement uh, with them? There are tensions among us uh, at Central. There can be tensions among us. Uh, I, I was even thinking in terms of this... Uh, uh, COVID season. There are so many opinions. Uh, some people suggesting that masks are absolutely essential 
And there are other people saying that, no, you don't need to, to wear masks. And, and some people are saying, yes, we, we ought to be vaccinated. And, and others are saying, no, you should not be vaccinated. And, 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 and what do you do? Because the Bible doesn't give us chapter and verse to do this or do that. It's, it's a preference. It's a conclusion. It's an opinion. And people reach different conclusions and reach different opinions. Uh, I think we found that even in the journey with our discussions at Arcadia. Uh, should we relocate or, or should we refurbish? And, and their opinions expressed and, and understandably. And, and people have good reasons for reaching their particular conclusion. It does extend to other areas. And I have a list of things. I won't go through them. But uh, perhaps to mention, uh, nowhere in the Bible does it tell us what color the wall should be painted in the church. The Bible doesn't tell us when we should have our business meetings. Uh, should it be a Sunday? Should it be a Tuesday? Should it be in the afternoon? Do you get the idea? There, there are so many of these, these issues. Uh, dress codes, uh, uh, types of entertainment. Uh, uh, many, many issues that are not clearly defined in the Bible for us and so easily so easily, and can I even say so often, bring about rifts within the context of the church in the community of faith, leading often leading to broken relationships where people don't speak to each other, they don't have anything to do with each other, they sometimes even leave the church. So what I am trying to say as we approach this passage we do affect each other in the way that we relate and the way that we react uh, in the differences we have. Now, the worst way I can affect you is to be the cause of you becoming discouraged. We don't want to do that. We don't want to discourage each other or disillusioned beyond discouragement, disillusioned with the church, disillusioned even with God or disillusioned with the gospel or the people of God. And, and sometimes, and, and we don't want this to happen, but sadly it does happen, it has happened, people even leave the church. And even worse than that, there have been instances where people have turned their back on uh, God and their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, because God knows how discouraged we can get and how we affect each other, and how easy we can rub each other up the long, wrong way, we do find in this passage that he provides some helpful counsel. Here is some useful advice, useful teaching in motivating us to persevere in dealing with these kind of differences. And really, we do need to understand that it's not the right thing to run away. It's not the right thing to ignore the people that you don't agree with or they don't agree with you. It's not the right thing to become all bitter and twisted and, and walk around with a bitter root in your heart. There's a better way. There is a way that we can deal with pain that may be in our lives brought about by, the other, by other people. There is a better way forward. So my first point this evening, if you are taking notes, you'll notice coming up on the screen, God helps you to bear with the failings of the weak. Now the emphasis there is, is help from God. God helps us. Now, 
thinking in terms of the natural world, uh, you don't find any woman uh, playing in the South African rugby team against the British and Irish Lions. And the simple reason is because they are weaker physically than those big, strong men. And, 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 and that general principle applies across the board, where those who are strong have an automatic tendency to dominate those who are weak. It can also be expressed in another way, where we see that there, where there is a majority seeking to rule over and even crush the minority view. That's just the way people are. It's the natural way of the sinful nature. The strong are able, they can, uh, and, and do sometimes easily, unthinkingly disregard and push aside the weak, those who have different opinions to themselves. They have a, a natural ability, the strong. Let's think about people who are strong in character and personality and ability. They are able to argue persuasively. They're used to having their own way. They will be forceful, sometimes even resorting to coercion or manipulation. And so if someone has a different preference, coming to the practical issues of, of, of life in the church, whether it be a meeting time or or, or, or whether it be a particular decision, whether it is uh, building a new church or, or planting another church. or th There is a tendency that stronger people will force their opinion on others. They will uh, want to have it their way. The natural reaction is to crush other people's views. Let them know that they will not be tolerated. Well, very interestingly, the opening verse of this chapter, God says something entirely different. He says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, not to please ourselves. I think some of you have heard me say, sometimes we need to take the low road. And that kind of thinking comes from this verse. Take the low road. It's the kind of response that really requires what I would call unnatural capacity because that's not the way people do things. Naturally, we do the opposite. It's easier to criticize. It's easier to ridicule. It's easier to crush or push someone out the way. It's easier. It's more natural to be selfish, to want your own way, to be pushy, concerned about that which is yours. You see, it's not natural not natural for any of us to endure the irritation of the weak, patiently listening to their views. And yet, this verse, don't forget this is part of the inspired scriptures, this verse tells us that we have an obligation to carry the weak and not to please ourselves. Well, how is that possible? And the passage continues to unfold, showing us that how God helps us bear with the failings of the weak. And the very first aspect of help that we need to look at, and it's absolutely crucial and central to who we are as believers, is the work of Jesus Christ himself. 
You see, the appeal here for you to bear the failings of the weak is followed by the reason, the unnatural, selfish approach is set aside and the unnatural is done and we're able to bear with the failings of the weak. Have a look at verse 3. For Christ did not please himself, as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach you fell on me. And once again, and, and uh, the gospel, the gospel is always central to our lives as Christians. Always, always uh, uh, at the core of, of what leads us and guides us and, and we'll see even enables us as we continue in this passage. You see, Jesus puts the interests of others before his own. He put the will of God, we know that, before everything even though it meant reproaches. And he quotes from Psalm 69 there, and uh, uh, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. And, and speaking of that which he takes on himself, unselfishly, for the sake of others. And so what are, what, what are we learning? What do we take from this? Now, now, there are those Christians, they call themselves Christians, who simply say that Jesus is a good example to follow. Now, they, they are right. Of course, Jesus is the best example to follow. What would Jesus do? We need to say that. We need to follow that. We need to consider that. We have in view, yes, uh, willing obedience of Jesus as an example that we followers of Jesus or to do, or to take. We ought to follow any steps. But, this passage goes further. The atoning work of Jesus goes further. What he did on the cross accomplished something. It wasn't merely that he became a martyr, leading others to martyrdom. No, the critical matter of his atoning work, his substitutionary atonement, accomplished something beyond the cross. He carried not only the reproaches and criticisms that were not, that were not his own, but he carried the sin, all sin that was not his own. And so what we have here, and I want to use the words, you've heard me use this, uh, these words in the church often, they're not my words, they're the words of of uh, author John Murray, and in fact has a book uh, written, wonderful title of the book, uh, Redemption Accomplished and Applied. So the work of Jesus goes beyond being an example to us. It includes rescue from sin, yes, from the bondage of sin and selfishness. And, and, and not, just, not just a rescue from sin in the, in the sense that our sins are covered, justification, that we are declared righteous. And, and, and so we go back and we see that his work on the cross is, no, is not just a, a, an historical event that remains locked at a fixed and particular point in time. His work then, and we must think about then, 2,000 plus years ago, impacts your sinful and my sinful heart in the present. Redemption is applied. That's why we so uh, ought to be so concerned and so committed to the work of the Holy Spirit. As a believer, the bondage to sin, the bondage 
to self is broken. The work of the Spirit, applying that victory that was accomplished by Jesus on the cross in the present. It is bearing on the present, enabling you, because you are now a new creature in Christ as a believer. As a believer, you are different. You have the Spirit of God living in you. God is at work sanctifying you. He's changing you. He's transforming you. And this is not just your own effort. This is a result of of the work of Jesus applied by the Spirit of God in your and my daily life. We must remember that His work then also also has an impact on other people's hearts. So God is at work in me as a believer and He's not done with me yet. God is at work in your life and He's not done with you yet. And so we are going to get into each other's hair. We are going to get... Uh, as it were, under each other's skin. But in this process of sanctification, redemption that was accomplished is being applied, is being massaged into the lives of us believers, helping us deal with sin and selfishness, seeking rather the glory and the honor of God. So God helps you, helps me through, through the work of Christ to bear with the failings of the weak. But there's a second provision from God. Not only the work of Jesus, but from from this passage we can see clearly the usefulness of the witness of Scripture. We are never left without a clear word from God. A certain word from God. A word that is preserved. It's a word that will bring encouragement in times of discouragement. A word from God to help us along the way in this struggle and we find it difficult and we have these skirmishes and we have these difficult encounters. The word of God enables you to endure because this is what God is saying to you. You can believe it. You can receive it. You can trust it. You can stand on it. We always, and this is the point that, the, that Paul is making as he writes to the Romans, because we have the gift of Scripture, We always have a solid reason to have hope going forward. Always hope. Uh, If there's great difficulty in conflict, it can be resolved. In the worst case scenario, know that even up ahead, even if it's on that day when the Lord returns, you can know ultimate and complete peace. There's always hope. Now have a look at verse 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Now, of course, just as an aside, you need to know the Scriptures for them to be of any value in encouraging you. And not just bits and pieces. Read the Scriptures. Read the Scriptures again and again. Uh, Read broadly. Read deeply. uh, Read repeatedly. Get to know the Scriptures. The gift from God that is placed in your hands, our hands, and and on matters specifically in the context leading to hope. And again, it's on the basis of what Jesus has done, winning our salvation, and always delivering on his promises, always fulfilling what he says he will do. 
So it is a hope that leaves no doubts. It's a hope that will sustain us in the midst of difficult times. Even in the darkest of days. There's a third provision from God. And I've just called it the willingness of God. Why have I done that? It's not a surprise to me that right in the middle of this passage, uh, dealing with relational issues, difficult relational issues amongst people, Paul inserts a prayer. Have a look at verse, is it verse 5. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, <coughs> Excuse me, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. Wow. We have access to the throne of God, to our Father in heaven, to lay before him our frustrations and our disappointments, our requests that we have. And, and it, it, God is described here as one who willingly provides endurance and encouragement and helps people. The prayer is for God to bring about the very thing that he would be pleased with, to bring about unity where there's fragmentation, for people to live in harmony, people to glorify God. And so the importance and the phrase I use, the willingness of God, because he has invited us to pray. If anyone of you is in trouble, you should pray. Isn't that a familiar phrase in scripture? Do not be anxious about anything but by prayer and petition. You know that scripture. Presenting your request to God. What about casting your care upon the Lord? God invites us. So instead of becoming all bottled up and bitter and twisted, we go to God. We speak to God. We pray to God. We lay these things before him. And God hears the prayers of his people. And so my first main point was, yes, God helps you to bear with the failings of the weak. But I want to move on to a second uh, point. God helps you with purpose in mind. When God calls you to put up with, can I use the phrase cranky nut? We sometimes have them. Sometimes I'm that person, I guess. When we have to put up with a cranky nut or some ridiculous views on all sorts of issues, God is at work in you and for a particular purpose. I'm going to have, I've given headings, a couple of headings over here. The first purpose that God has is to strengthen the body, strengthen the church. God is concerned with the spiritual well-being and growth, the maturity of all Christians. Verse 2, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. We don't want people just to stay as they are. God doesn't want them to stay as they are. He wants them to be built up, to be strengthened. And if one is strengthened and another one is strengthened and another one is strengthened, we together are strengthened, the church is strengthened, the church is in a better place. I think I've mentioned before, we have a, a talking, maybe I should say whistling, but he whistles tunes, cockatiel. Uh, quite tame, but he can also be quite temperamental. 
we only have him because of a certain caretaker we had at the church. Let's call him a strong caretaker at our Arcadia campus who rescued him, this little cockatiel, when he was weak and vulnerable and helpless. And I think he rescued him out of the mouth of some aggressive cat. Well, our caretaker took the time and the trouble uh, over a period of time to hand feed this cockatiel, uh, to nurture him, to keep him warm. Why did he do that? For the good of the cockatiel to build him up. That, that's, that's the kind of picture that we have here. That is what God wants you and me to do for the weak and the vulnerable and the helpless. Those who are in need of, of strengthening. He wants them to be stronger. Even if it costs us something to bring that about. And normally what brings it about or needs to bring it about is that we need to be humble. And in that very process, we ourselves grow and are more uh, likely to mature in faith. You will be strengthened by growing downward in humility. And that weaker person will be strengthened through acceptance and love. But here's a second purpose. There's a very clear purpose stated in the passage that there ought to be harmony. God wants harmony in the body. He doesn't want discord. He doesn't want the body to be fragmented. In the same way that, and again to use an analogy, that a group of vocalists and musicians with different voices and instruments harmonize in producing a beautiful designated sound, so too the church ought to harmonize making Beautiful designated sound, which points to God and the glory of God. You see, in both instances, it is either whether you're looking at an orchestra or you're looking at the local church, it's either harmony or noise. In each one, in harmony with each other, following the conductor, meaning we are to be in accord with Christ. It is unity in line not with my will or your will or the strong, no, in line with the will of God, in line with the mind and the will of Jesus. Verse 5, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. So if I may be blunt, and I've seen a lot of this very sadly over the years now in ministry, so many Christians get to the place where it's my way or the highway. You do it my way or I'm going to leave. No, that's not in accord with Jesus. That's sinful uh, nature uh, exposing itself at its worst. It's rather submission one to the other. Not thinking, as we saw earlier on in Romans, not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought. Having a continued debt to love. Remember something else we've already looked at? It's, that is what is in accord with Jesus. Strengthening of the body, harmony in the body. It will flourish. Where self and selfishness is not the governing principle of life. Which brings us to the overall purpose that God has in mind. And I've called this glorifying God in the body. You see, it's not just, the passage is not just about people getting along 
and we're all a happy-go-lucky group of people. That can happen at the bowls club, can happen at the tennis club or at the running club. There's something greater and richer intended by God when he challenges us on this kind of matter. Uh, challenging our attitudes and actions toward each other. Have a look at verse 6. That together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I must confess, I've had some run-ins or skirmishes over the years with people. And I've on more than one occasion said to someone, you know what, imagine if we as leaders can stand up in front of the church and say, you know what, this was the offense. This was the hurt. But you know, Jesus has forgiven. And so we're able to forgive each other. And by doing that, are we not honoring the Lord? Are we not exalting and showing him the greatness or showing others the greatness of the gospel? You see, the ultimate aim of Christ and the Apostle Paul is for us to display and to show the glory of God. The one song that our lives and life together ought to sing is that chorus, God at the center. Not just the song that we sing because it's got a nice tune, but that we live it, that we demonstrate it, that we show it to each other and the world. God is most important. God is to be exalted. God is to be worshipped. God is to be honored and to be obeyed. I think it's a familiar phrase uh, that our chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's our business. We ought to unashamedly uh, align with everything that brings glory to God. Uh, to see the, the greatness of God, the beauty of God. And one of the ways people can see the glory of God is when our responses to each other is unnatural and not the expected natural. So God's glory is evident when selfishness and coercion or bullying or arrogance or forcefulness, when those things give way to humility and patience and kindness, submission and acceptance of others. I believe that that kind of thing happens in a church where individual people, where individual members, men and women, have big thoughts about God. The acceptance of others is for the glory of God. Verse 7, Therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And so, folks, just to wrap this up, we do have an obligation from God to bear with the weak for their good. It is God's desire and intention that there is harmony, that there's unity among us, but never as an end in itself. Unity is not an end in itself. It is harmony and self-denial for the sake of the weaker brother, but always governed by the glory of God. Don't settle for the shallow and the, the empty uh, and the casual. I want to close with a, a quote by John Piper. He says, we will all be on our way to true success if we are known as a people smitten with the glory of God. Can't get enough of God. If our children speak of the glory of God, if our young people love the glory of God more than the glory of sport or music or fashion, 
if our career people pursue the glory of God more than the glory of financial success, if our older people rejoice in the hope of the glory of God just over the horizon. You see, folk, above and through all of this, how we need to know God better. How we need to feel something of the wonder, mesmerized by the glory, the magnificence of God. We ought to pray as Moses did. Lord, show me your glory. We pray that as we conclude this study this evening, Father, uh, please continue to be patient with us as you help us, as you work in us and through us, uh, growing us, Lord, making us more and more like you. But Lord, in all of that, above all of that, through all of that, to see the magnificence of your glory, your greatness. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for being with us tonight and joining in. Once again, I have prepared some questions and uh, they are on the screen right now. You can take a photograph of those and make use of them either tonight or at another time when you do meet together in your, <coughs> in your group. Just uh, want to urge you, continue to pray for each other. Uh, there are challenges. Uh, people still uh, being infected and affected by COVID. And uh, may God's grace abound among us. Have a wonderful, uh, can I say God glorifying evening. Amen.